You're listening to Becoming Wildly Resilient, brought to you by University of Kentucky Human Resources, Health and Wellness. In this series, we'll explore a variety of well-being topics with experts from the university community in physical, emotional, nutritional, and financial health. Join us, and together we'll discover how we can thrive at work, home, and beyond. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Becoming Wildly Resilient. For those that don't know, I'm Jacob Hester. I'm a wellness specialist with UKHR Health and Wellness, and I'm your host. We've got a special episode in store for you today featuring five conversations with employees from across the university where they'll be sharing their stories. Across these conversations, you'll hear some of the common challenges we all face, how they persevered, and the advice they have to share to those that may be in a similar situation. My previous guests have been some of my HR colleagues who specialize in various dimensions of well-being. We've talked about how we can live more true to ourselves, how we can develop a mindset to move, and how we can take care of ourselves so that we can best take care of those that depend on us. So if you haven't listened to them yet, be sure to go back and check those out as well. For those that may have been following along, you also may have noticed that this episode dropped a week earlier than normal. That's because it's part of a special week of offerings brought to you by UK Human Resources and staff Senate to recognize and recharge. In addition to these events happening October 5th through the 9th, we created a community quick starts webpage that is filled with tools for showing appreciation, fostering belonging, or focusing on your well-being anytime. You can learn more about recognize and recharge and community quick starts by listening to the bonus episode that released last week or by visiting the webpage linked in the show notes. Without further ado, these are some of your stories of resilience. My first UK employee joining me is Ben Connor. Appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your day to tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, definitely, Jacob. Thank you. So let's start by telling the listeners just a little about yourself, kind of who you are and what you do. Yeah. So as you said, my name is Ben Connor. Uh, I'm the Scott County Agriculture and Natural Resources Agent. So uh, I work out of our Scott County Cooperative Extension Office. I've uh, been here for a year now uh, as a UK employee and uh, a graduate of the College of Ag Food Environment and currently pursuing a master's from the same college. So UK all around. That's great. I'm same here. I'm homegrown and got my undergrad and came back a few years later and got my master's and now full-time employee too. So like to take care of our own for sure. That's right. So Ben is one of our recent Move Well Rewards winners. So congratulations for that. Thank you. For those that don't know, Move Our Rewards is a monthly program where participants can sync their steps using a fitness wearable. And at the end of the month, we select three winners from uh, different step categories, essentially. Um, So that ranges from $6,000 all the way up to $10,000. And those prizes range from $200 all the way up to $600. So Ben, just tell me um, how you heard about Move Our Rewards in the beginning and kind of what drew you to it. Yeah, definitely. So my wife is a UK employee as well. Um, And so she's been working for the university for about five years now. There was a promotion a couple of years ago to get uh, Fitbits and she took advantage of that. So whenever I came on board, she's like, you really need to do this. Like you can, there's a step challenge that Move Well puts together. You can potentially get a, a cash prize. And so I took advantage of that and uh, really just, just for her sake. And then moving forward, uh, it kind of kept me honest. Uh, So I got to check my steps every day. And 
upload those to the to the programming. Um, I forget the. I think it's called MoveSpring mm-hmm. is the app that MoveWell uses. So uh, it's it's been great for me. Um, I know that for me, moving into extension role, um, sometimes I can find myself in the office uh, or in the in the driving a truck around, uh, going to different farms. So just ensures that I have my steps in every day uh, and actually don't find myself complacent in a seat. Yeah, I think that's something that's really common, especially right now where a good chunk of our employees too are working from home. So we've noticed that a lot of people are moving a lot less. And me personally, um, I had a conversation with Carrie Davidson in the second episode of the podcast. And we talked about that, about how both of us have gone home for a little while. And it's like, we're, we're struggling to get those steps because we're used to trucking it across campus all the time for meetings and everything else and parking and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's pretty interesting. So how long ago did you actually win? So I won back in, I think it was the month of June. I got the email at the beginning of July. Uh, it was a great surprise because, you know, after six or seven months, you're like, well, you know, there's so many people uh, through UK that, that participate in this program. You're like, ah, it's like playing a lottery. I'll never win this, but I'm going to keep doing it. And that was my, my mindset was uh, I'm going to keep doing this for my own personal gains. And so when I got that email, I was like, "Wow, this is this is real!" Like, you know, they're actually giving away money, and so uh, that was that was just a great surprise and and just a great reinforcement uh, to continue to do what I was doing. Yeah, I'm glad you highlighted that as well. That's the intention behind the the program is we wanted people to have a little bit of an incentive to continue to do this. So normally we have our step challenges that may be say seven days long or they may be three weeks long, but we weren't doing them all the time. So we wanted to give people an additional incentive to track their steps outside of those windows as well. So you kind of touched on that a little bit there. So one of the things that we like to ask our winners when they accept their prize is how do you plan to spend your winnings? So what was your answer? Yeah, I I forget the exact exact verbiage, but it was something along the lines of continuing to uh, focus on our family health and moving us forward. Um, And the reason being, you know, my wife and I were still uh, young. We've been married for about three years now. But, you know, as a young married couple, you find your routine and you stick with it. And so, you know, we've focused on buying, whether it's fitness clothing uh, to go on walks. Um, one thing that we've really enjoyed over the past year is we, we did get a dog and that has really incentivized us to go on walks. So he is very active uh, and he has to get his energy out. And so not only do I have a Fitbit um, to make sure that, Hey, go, go on walks. But I have a dog who keeps me, uh, he, he is very persistent about getting his energy out. So I can attest to that. I got two, two crazy ones of my own that like to go on two plus 20 minute walks a day. So um, it definitely keeps you honest. And it's nice to have that support system too, not only from our human friends, but from our pets (laughs) as well. Uh, yeah, keep, keep you up and moving and, and keeping you honest too. And then yeah. adding in a little technology um, definitely doesn't hurt. Right. right. So how you kind of touched on this a little bit, how has joining MoveWell then or MoveWell Rewards specifically, how has that program helped you improve your daily movement? Yeah, it's, it's been neat. Um, Cause not only do I access the uh, MoveSpring app, but with Fitbit app, it has several different programs within it. And so I can start little mini challenges for my own self. I know I just started one today. It was uh, cutting out sugary foods uh, and it had four different categories. I think like sodas, uh, sugary breakfast foods and a couple others. And so 
that's one thing that I can, if it's in the morning and I'm quick, I might grab a high sugar yogurt um, or a muffin or, or something along those lines. And so they'll send out reminders every day at a certain time to say, hey, are you doing what you said you would do? And so um, utilizing those those apps uh, that are involved with with MoveWell, um, it may not be directly involved, but indirectly uh, has really helped me continue to improve my healthy choices. Yeah, it's cool to hear how you you took this kind of simple program and it's now snowballed into other things for you as well and, and other things that you can focus on. Um, which is again, sort of how we, how we function um, for the most part as, as humans, it's really hard to make a lot of changes all at once. So it's sort of these incremental changes and focusing on one, maybe two things at a time is really increases your uh, likelihood of these things sticking. So it's cool to hear you have kind of built upon that now too. Um, started with a sort of a foundation for yourself and are, are working up from there. So what kind of barriers or setbacks have you potentially had throughout this process? Yeah, I would say early on, uh, and you touched on it perfect, Jacob, is the fact that I may have bit off more than I could chew starting out and trying to change everything at one time. You would you would say, I'm going to do this X, Y, and Z. And when one thing goes wrong, it, it seems like everything else goes wrong. And mm-hmm. so stepping back from that situation and saying, all right, I'm going to focus on getting my 10,000 steps every day. That's my only focus for until I feel like I can hit that next level. And so that's been kind of how I've approached it uh, in the recent weeks and months is starting starting with a foundation and then moving up from there. That's great. So I'm kind of curious then, um, kind of taking in that entire experience, what things do you have to share with others? What advice or tips do you have, particularly for those looking to increase or maintain their daily physical activity? Yeah, it, it all goes back to, to uh, where you start. So definitely start with, with something that's obtainable uh, and that you feel like you can achieve. Do not go in, I mean, by all means, go in 110%, but don't overexert yourself and commit all to changing every aspect of your life. Um, so start with, start with that one goal uh, that even that one goal may be far-fetched initially and work towards that. And when you achieve that, your confidence continues to build and you can add on from there. And so that would be my main advice. Don't feel like you have to change everything at once uh, because this is not a sprint. It's a marathon. My goal and my motivator in life is I want to live a healthy life for the long term. So that way I can enjoy my life with my family. And so keep that end goal in mind as you make these steps towards a healthy life. That was a perfect answer. You sound like you got a degree in health promotion. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's, I'll tell you, it's really been cool the past, past few months kind of seeing how everything builds on each other because, you know, growing up in football for eight years, it was hardcore all the time. And as soon as that stops, everything goes downhill fast. And when you try to change back to that lifestyle, it's your body doesn't change quickly, but yeah, I definitely, definitely have tried the full-on approach to change everything at one time and it hasn't worked for me. Yeah, absolutely. So just to recap, uh, MoveWell Rewards is in addition to any short-term step challenges we may offer, as well as the employee dedicated fitness facilities, group fitness classes, and more. MoveWell also has some exciting new options that are coming soon, so keep an eye out for those. But I appreciate you joining me, Ben, and thanks for sharing your experience with MoveWell Rewards. 
Yeah, thanks, Jacob. It's uh, it's a great program, and glad you guys have put it together. All right, with me now, I have husband and wife Scott and Laura Mason. Welcome. I'm glad to have you both on the show to share your story. Thank you, Jacob. We're glad to be here. First, just tell us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, well, my name is Scott Mason. Um, I work at UK at uh, McVeigh Hall. I manage the day-to-day operations of the main campus data center. So just think uh, big giant computers with servers and that kind of stuff. Um, I'm married to Laura, and we, have, we live here in Lexington, and we have uh, one, one child. Awesome. How long have you worked at UK, Scott? I have been here uh, almost 12 years. Awesome. What about you, Laura? I am a stay-at-home mom. We have a three-year-old son. And we have been married for seven years. So I know you both are now considered former smokers. So congratulations. Tell us a little bit about your journey with tobacco, kind of how that started, how long it lasted, that type of thing. (laughs) Well, I've smoked on and off for the better part of 20 years um, since I was I started when I was about 17. Um, I would probably take a break. Every five years or so, uh, that would range anywhere from a couple of weeks to a year. And just as I've gotten older, it's just more and more challenging. Um, so I just, and having, you know, a young son at three just decided it was, it was time to finally get this, get rid of this thing. <laughs> How about you, Laura? Were you also a, a former smoker? Yes. Um, since about 16 or 17, just like Scott. Wow. And on and off, you know, of course, I, I, I quit when I was pregnant. We both did. And then it just seemed to pick it back up easily. I think that's kind of common. A lot of people pick that up in, in the younger years and it's something that kind of sticks with them. So yes, how did you, I guess, was this something that you all decided to do together then? Uh, Definitely. Yeah, we, well, I, it, I decided to do it and then, which we were already trying to quit and of course we're struggling. So once I decided to do it, I mentioned it to Laura. And when I talked to Jackie, she, uh, she said, you know, your wife can do this too. And which I didn't know. Uh, and so then we both, both went at it from that perspective. Awesome. Yeah. That actually leads great into another question. So how did you all initially hear about our tobacco cessation coaching and kind of what drew you to it? I get emails, um, about it regularly. Uh, and I'm not the type of person that typically asks for help. I will try to do everything on my own. And after having tried to do this for so long by myself, I finally just decided, hey, you know, there's no shame in asking for help. Reach out to somebody. It's free. You know, go just give it a try. Go for it. What do you have to lose at this point? Asking for help was the hardest part for me, honestly, uh, because I probably toyed with that idea for two or three weeks before I actually did it. Um, Just, you know, not who I am. Absolutely. That can, that can definitely be a, a tough thing when you're trying to make a change. And there sometimes is that stigma of asking for help. And so we're, we're always here to support employees too. And we want them to know that we're here to meet them where they are when they're ready. Uh, we're never forcing anybody into anything either. So what was your experience like with coaching then? It was great. She, Jackie was great. Um, you know, we, we talked before we started the patches and then um, she was in communication with us the, probably the first week and then wanted to um, do a Zoom meeting with us after the second week to see how we were. And it, it went really, really fast and really well. And she was, uh, she said, you know, we could call her, contact her anytime that we needed to, to talk about anything. It didn't have to be about not smoking. Yeah, and I think that was that mental crutch or aid 
just knowing that there was somebody else that I could contact at any time, just to tap him on the shoulder and say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm struggling here. Can you just mm-hmm. listen to me for a moment? Just knowing that I had that, I think was a big, a big help. I never actually had to do it, but just knowing that yeah. that was available, you know, and the accountability, we had to be accountable to somebody yeah. else other than ourselves. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Tobacco is one of those health behaviors that is really tricky because it not only involves the habit of something that you do regularly for a long period of time for a lot of people, there's also that addictive nature of nicotine that goes along with it as well. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned actually having multiple quit attempts in the past. You quit for a couple of weeks at a time or a year at a time or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is a common experience for people as well. So what do you think helped you be more successful this time around? A couple of different things. Um, we've all, we've, you know, when we've tried to quit in the past, we've tried to do it together, but you were still kind of trying you were still doing your own separate thing. Mm-hmm. Having that, that weekly check-in with Jackie, where it's all three of us together and it's like, okay, everybody's holding everybody accountable here. And we really are truly doing this together. Not, not just doing it at the same time, if that makes sense. I think that was a big aid in helping us actually get over the the hump. And the patches, the patches helped so much with all of the cravings and the irritability and everything. I mean, it just, it was, it was totally different than just quitting cold turkey. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't, you know, I'm talking about the mental aspects of it, but I think that's probably actually harder for me than the physical withdrawal symptoms you get, which the patches no question helped with. But me being me, I think I could have had, I could have wore the patch all day and still smoked cigarettes without, if I didn't have the, <laughs> the mental portion to go along with it, I think. Yeah. I think that's actually great that you all had two slightly different answers there. So one of you approached it more from that physical addictive side of nicotine and the other one from the mental side. And I think that's sort of the benefit of a program like this is you get the coaching that helps you with sort of that habit. Um, and then you also have the ability to get nicotine replacement therapy as a supplement to that. Um, to help with the the withdrawal from nicotine. So um, that was really great that you all brought both of those pieces up. So it was, it was interesting to hear um, how, how it was different for both of you, even though you went through the same thing together. So I'm curious, what did you learn from your experience that you could share with others then? What advice or tips do you have for those that may be thinking about quitting or are in the process of quitting? I would say two things. The first thing is, is don't ever give up. You know, like I say, I've been trying to do this for a really long time, and I feel like I've had more success with it now than I ever have previously. And if I had simply continued to ignore those emails or just said, you know, I can't, I can't do it, I'm too old, whatever, whatever excuse I came up with, if I'd given up, then we wouldn't be having this conversation. So number one is don't give up. And number two is don't be afraid to reach out and ask somebody for help. A lot of times I think people feel like they're all alone and you're only as alone alone as you make yourself be. You know, I stopped being alone the minute I I said, you know, hey, can you help me with this? And then there was Jackie and everybody to to get me what I needed. Yeah, I think that's two great pieces of advice. What would you say, Laura? I, I totally agree with that. And um, you know, I have tried to encourage some of my friends that have spouses that work at UK and they are smokers. And I keep telling them, I'm like, do this. I, you know, I know it's tough, but this helped me so, so much. Like, I just feel like that this time is, is the last time. That's awesome. How long have you all both been quit now? 
a little over a month. Yeah, I actually I've lost count. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been uh, I think August fourth was the last time we had a cigarette. Yeah, August fourth at nine p.m. Now that I'm looking at the calendar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so about six weeks. Awesome. To the day it looks like, yeah. Yeah, that's great. You actually For seven weeks. Yeah, it feels like when you have that that optimism, and then you have to think about the last time. Um, it it feels mm-hmm. like it, it has that um, lasting power for you. So we definitely wish you the best of luck as you continue on with that. Um, and obviously, you know that we're here to support you and others as well. So just to reiterate to our listeners, for those who may be in thinking about quitting, actively trying to quit, or know somebody that is. HR is here to support you. Um, we have free tobacco cessation coaching with one of our health coaches um, whenever you're ready. And if you're on the UK health plan, that also includes the ability to receive free nicotine replacement therapy. So I appreciate you both joining me today and sharing your story and advice. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So my next guest with me is Megan Piper. Welcome to the show, Meg. Thanks so much. So let's start by hearing just a little bit about you kind of what you do and um, a little bit about yourself. Sure. I am. Um, I'm from Alabama originally. I, I moved up to Tennessee a little over 10 years ago. Uh, I work in the emergency department at UK. Uh, we cover both Chandler and Good Samaritan. So I work at um, at both of them and, and recently took a leadership position as a charge nurse at Chandler full time. So that's awesome. what I do. I'm a registered nurse. And how long have you been at UK? A little over 10 years. Awesome. Yeah. So I know, obviously, UK being having a large healthcare um, side of the university, we employ a lot of nurses and other healthcare workers. So what would you say are some of the common challenges that healthcare workers face um, related to well-being in the workplace, obviously, besides the COVID-19 pandemic and all that brought? Sure. Um, I think... As a general rule, I know that this was true for me, um, that as healthcare workers, we are notorious for taking care of everybody else and not taking care of ourselves. Um, You know, I I guess I can't speak to everyone else. I can just speak for myself, but but that certainly was the case for me. Um, You know, I'd make a list of people and everyone else would be on the top of that list and I would always be at the bottom. And so um, when you do that, um, priorities or time or whatever, uh, time management, things like that, you always kind of end up at the bottom. And often you just scratch yourself off the list entirely because you don't have time to take care of everyone else and yourself. So I, I think we're really bad about uh, putting ourselves last instead of first. Yeah, I think that's actually pretty common in helping professions in general, uh, not just yeah. throughout healthcare. I think we we see that with a lot of helping professions that you put so much of your energy into other people that you sort of forget about yourself. Um, and I think that's common even with people who are taking care of children or taking care of elder loved ones. You feel like you have to give everything to them and you kind of forget about yourself. And then you kind of run into that wall of you're, you can't pour from an empty glass at that point. That's so, exactly right. Um, so yeah. I think that was a, a good even though you, it was like sort of your personal take on it, um, I think that is common across right. any helping profession for the most part. So let's get right. into a little bit more of your story then. Were there any particular challenges or set of challenges that you were facing that brought you to health and wellness in the first place? Yeah, yes. So as an uh, emergency room nurse, I, I had kind of for years and years and years always jokingly but honestly believed that that all of us kind of had a... Um, 
a bit of PTSD because the work that we do is really hard. You know, you're, you're dealing with people in life and death situations. And as human beings, we don't deal with changes very well and abrupt changes and, and life altering changes. We don't deal with them very well at all. And so taking care of people in those moments can be challenging for those individuals and then challenging for us as well. And so there was that component. Um, I had worked night shift from like 2003. And so I had been 16 years night shift. And in 2016, I ended up, I ended a friendship with somebody who just, it just was not a good friendship for me. And in 2017, my dad got sick. And so they lived in Alabama still. And so I was traveling down once a month to help him out while I was working full time. And in 2018, he got sicker and then ended up passing away. And about, and that was about mid July, it was July of 2018. And so, you know, I, I started thinking about, you know, I, night shift is killing me, I think. And, and I've got to start taking care of better care of myself. So I started making small changes. And so after he passed away, I was like, I'm going to let myself have a massage once a month. Um, and then in, in February of 2019, I moved to day shift. And once I moved to day shift, I was like, I'm going to make myself a priority and I'm going to make my health a priority. And so the first thing that I did is the year that my dad passed away in 20, like fall of 2017 to July of 2018 at work, we had done a couple of weight loss competitions. And over the course of that period of time, I lost a total of 70 pounds in a very, I mean, and, and that's really a lot of weight in a really short period of time. I would not recommend anybody do that, but so he passed away and I gained all that weight back again in a very short period of time. And so when I moved to days and I was like, I'm going to make myself a priority. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to start taking care of myself. The first thing that I did was reached out to the dietitians. I just thought, you know, I know a lot about the human body, the job that I, given the job that I have, but there are certainly things I don't know. And nutrition is one of those things, you know, I do fad dieting. I like flip flop back and forth between losing weight and gaining weight and losing mm-hmm. weight. And I said, there's obviously things that I'm missing. There's something that I don't know. And, and I feel like maybe I should talk to people who, who like, this is their passion and this is their knowledge base and this is what they know. And so I think I just Googled it. I think I Googled dietitian UKY thinking it was like somewhere I'd have to go in the clinic and, you know, pay yeah. a copay and, and, and then I was delighted to find out you had these free consults and I was like, well, that's crazy. So I filled out this, you know, summary of what you're looking for and how active you are and all these things. And I ended up meeting with Vanessa. Mm -hmm. I had my consult with Vanessa. And so that was the start of my relationship with UK Health and Wellness. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you kind of talked about some of the setbacks and challenges that you faced throughout that time. And some of the, some of the like swings that you go through when you have those happen too, and how sometimes it is kind of hard to do some of these things on your own. One of my previous guests mentioned just not being afraid to ask for help. And that sounds like you kind of got to that point where you're like, I, I, I know what I don't know. And that's an right. important step for a lot of people, um, not just yeah. with well-being. Just I think that's a good life rule is to understand what you don't know and be willing to seek that out from somebody who does know. And so it's interesting that, that it got you to that point. 
So from there, what was your experience beyond that? Because I know when I was gathering names of potential guests, um, you were actually <laughs> recommended by two of our programs. So how did you end up on the Be Well side as well? Um, well, I mean, I have to credit Vanessa for that. I am I am notoriously in my life a person who handles my own things. Like, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. I'm the kind of person that very rarely asks for help. So yeah, reaching out to Vanessa was a or reaching out to just the dietitians, because at that point, I didn't know if it was going to be Vanessa or Karen. But reaching out was like that first step to be like, yeah, I, I, I this is something I'm not going to be able to handle on my own. Like I need a little more expertise than what I have. And poor Vanessa. Um, I just think back to that meeting. It was like April of 2019. And I walked into her office and just unloaded on her. You know, she's just like, oh, here's, me, you know. She's like, I've got a meal plan for you. And I was like, cool, my dad died. And, you know, so I just like unload everything that I'm feeling. And and she immediately recognized that there was emotional stuff that also needed to be addressed. And so, you know, I, I will forever be grateful for her because she immediately was like, you know what? We have other stuff that can help you out. There's, we have, the, she called it the be well gals. I think is how <laughs> she referred to them she was like, you know, we have the be well gals and we have work-life connections. And so she Mm -hmm. told me about Anne and about Rhonda. And so she really was the one who, who helped me understand that there are a multitude of resources available to employees that are free, you know, that are, that are free and are like, so, so super helpful. And at that point I'd already asked for help with her. And I was delighted to find that she was, you know, I told her the number, this like list of things I had eaten in a single day. And she was like, okay. Like she wasn't faced by it or judgmental about it. And it was so refreshing and it made me trust her more. And so I was like, okay, if she's saying that this is other stuff that maybe can help me, then, then I'm willing to reach out again. And so I reached out to the be well girls and, and did a similar thing with the dietitians just kind of filled out a consult. And it happened to be Amy who, who answered versus Jackie. And Amy is like, I mean, I had no idea what to expect from meeting with the be well group. I didn't really even know what they were going to, what she was going to be able to help me with. And Amy always says that, when she talks about her job, she talks about, you know, what I do is if you have a goal, but you feel stuck in it, I can help you find traction for it, which I always feel like is, is a smaller definition from, from a bigger idea of what she truly does, Mm -hmm. which is at least for me, um, she like helped me find myself again. Do you know what I mean? Like when you put everybody else in front of you, you lose sight of you. You know what I mean? And to be able to give that work a better definition than, than what I think it is. Like, I I don't know how I would have got, I didn't realize how much help I needed until I asked for help to begin with. So once I met with Vanessa, then I, then I joined like the eat well membership, which I'm still a part of. I've lost close to 50 pounds. I have a such like a much better relationship with food than I've ever had. Um, and it's all because of Karen and, and Vanessa. My relationship with myself is so much better because of the work that I did with Amy. 
I met with, with Rhonda from Work-Life Connections and she got me in touch with, because the, the things that I had were, or the issues that I had really needed more than just five sessions, which is mm-hmm. what's available through Work-Life, yeah. Work-Life Connections. And she got me in touch with um, UK Psychiatry and I have a great therapist that I love and trust and, and see regularly. So the things that, that UK well, Health and Wellness has done for me has been like, I have such gratitude and respect for the work that you do because it's crucial and it's important. And it allows people like me to be able to continue to give all that I can give to the job that I do. Yeah. I mean, that's a really powerful story. Um, just hearing those things. And I'm fortunate enough to get to work with these people. Um, right. So I know I work with a group of really good listeners who are non-judgmental. Um, and I really like the fact and what drew me to wanting to work here was the fact that we do everything in-house. We are co-workers of you. We're colleagues with you. Um, we're right. not some outside organization. And we have that vested interest in you. And we want to help you be your best so that you can show up for others as well. Because we're at a university, whether you're on the healthcare or the campus side, pretty much everything we do is some sort of like customer service based thing where we're taking care of others. Um, and we're trying to create the next leaders or take care of people who are sick or anything like that. So we want our population to be their best and feel their best and them to feel like they're at their best as well. So what other things kind of outside of health and wellness, what things have worked for you kind of when you have those setbacks or anything like that? Do you have any sort of like self-care routine or you mentioned the uh, monthly massages or something like that? Oh, Do you yeah. find anything that kind of helps you um, sort of in the, particularly in those kind of especially stressful times um, where you may need a little extra self-care or something like that? The The monthly massage is still something that I do. And just, and just giving yourself um, permission to say, I'm important too. Like I matter too. Like it, it, my, my opinions matter. My time matters. Like that, that need for rest and relaxation, which is something that is like really hard for me to do anyway. Like if I'm in the house, I feel like I need to be doing something. Mm -hmm. And so trying to find ways to be like, no, 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 it's okay to just sit. It's okay to just be. Um, and sort of fight that, that urge to be constantly going and doing, and you know what I mean? Um, I think this year I I just found creative, more creative ways to do that. Like I bought, a (laughs) an inflatable pool and put it on my patio. And because I was at the pool, then I could sit and read a book, you know what I mean? Like, so just finding ways to be like, it's okay for you to just be on your own. Like, like it, 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 that matters. It's important. That's important for all of us to be able to relax from time to time. And so, so yeah, I, I would do that. And I, I tend to be pretty resilient just as a baseline. Like I'm a pretty resilient person. And so, but everybody has setbacks. Like, like even, even now I'm, I know that I'm still going to have setbacks, but just being like, this is worthwhile making up your mind that, that, that it's worthwhile to put yourself first and it's worthwhile to put your health and wellness as a priority. And if you have that in mind, like if, if you really believe that that's important, then I feel like you can overcome any setback. It's like an investment. I mean, if you think about it in those traditional terms of putting money in a 
certificate of deposit or into stocks or something like that. And you get this return on investment. That's sort of how we think about self-care is like you put this sort of time in so that you get that return for when you need it. Um, right. So sort of from the resilience aspect in that case, or just if you really need to take that time, that five minutes or 10 minutes even um, can be really beneficial for the next couple hours. So it, it seems counterintuitive sometimes if you are in that really like hard stress mode to take that time away and just take a, a brief pause. And like you said, just be, it's really hard to make yourself do that, but it is a great investment. So kind of taking in your entire experience, then um, now's the time where you can give sort of your nuggets of wisdom or your advice or tips that you think would be helpful to others. Just be okay. was a good one. So we may have, we may have covered a good one already, but if you got any other nuggets of wisdom, go ahead and share them now. Yeah, I I think I think for me, I have such a love and respect for UK Health and Wellness because I have taken advantage of so many programs. I mean, I I did Koru Mindfulness with Jackie. Like, I think the biggest, the hardest, and most difficult step in any kind of change is the first one. Mm-hmm. It's just that first step where, you know, you're fighting all the things inside that say, ooh, this is scary or this is risky or what if they don't accept me or what if they don't, you know, what if they judge me or whatever. I think my biggest advice for anyone who feels like they're in a situation that that's similar to mine or maybe not even similar to mine, but you feel stuck or you feel like something's missing, just take a chance, you know, just take a chance. Take that first step. The only thing you've really lost if it doesn't pan out is an hour, you know, of your time. And we waste hours of time every single day. So, you know, that's one hour you didn't spend on Facebook scrolling. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think you will be pleasantly surprised by whatever you go looking for if you ask for help from any of the people who work for UK Health and Wellness. I am always referring people constantly, I feel like, to Vanessa and to Karen and the dietitians and to to get well. I mean, I I I just I love, love, love the program. I love the people that work that work for the program. It's been nothing but good to me. Yeah, we absolutely appreciate that. Normally, this is the part where I kind of wrap up so what we offer, but you did such a great job throughout all of your story that I don't feel like I really have a huge need to just let everybody know that we are here. We're good listeners and we take your well-being in a holistic approach um, and it's very non-judgmental. So basically all of our resources are free too. So take advantage. Like you said, don't be afraid to just be. So kind of wrapping both of those up together. And I think our fan favorite, Brene Brown would say to be vulnerable and to be brave. So I think you kind of touched on both of those points too throughout there. So courage over comfort, baby. Yeah. So I really appreciate you joining me and I thank you a lot for sharing your story. All right. Thank you so much for having me. With me now is Sarah Gullett. Thanks for joining me, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Before we dive into your story, tell us about yourself. So I've been with UK for almost uh, two years now, and I have three little ones, and I'm a single parent. It's actually been a pretty great experience so far. So I've heard you have a really great story of support related to childcare and work-life management. So can you tell us a little more about how that began and what particular challenges or set of challenges you were facing? 
Sure. So um, initially, I came to UK. Um, I actually was married. I ended up separating from my husband throughout the whole entire separation. Um, my management team was really my backbone. Um, unfortunately, my parents, they retired. It was always a life goal for them to move to Florida. So they headed down south, which has left me here in Kentucky with pretty much not a whole lot of support. But the entire team at Radiation Medicine, the entire management staff pretty much rallied around me and has helped me through that transition of going from being married to being separated and a single parent. Now, they have given me resources, especially when they notice, for example, UK is now offering on-site child care. They've made sure that I was aware of that. They helped me out when the YMCA was doing the pandemic care, and they made sure that I had child care for that as well, so that when we began to not be able to work remotely any longer, I could come back on site seamlessly. That sounds like it, this can be some really trying times, having gone through a separation and, and having three small children, plus a pandemic hits, um, and you have to worry about child care and those types of things that can definitely be something that I could see that would be very difficult to go through um, and be a very trying time for someone. So you mentioned a little bit about the support that you received. So I'm curious to hear more about the support you received from those around you. So sort of your work family. Basically, I, I had to take some time off during the time that I was going through that transition just so that I could situate childcare and be able to still be an efficient employee. My entire management team was very helpful. They were very understanding. They did not uh, have a problem with me needing to take some vacation time here and there so that I could sort things out. Another thing, too, is when you have three little ones, when illness happens, it tends to happen in a domino effect. So your oldest one gets it, then transfers it to the middle one, then on to the third one. So unfortunately, it's not as I guess you could say uniform as you would want it to be to where like they all get sick at once so you can just take a lump sum of time and be done I usually have to take some time for each child and that puts me out you know sometimes two three days of sickness and my managers Lisa Dispinette, Kathy Alps and Stephanie Kellia and also um, Dr. Randall who is the head of our department they have never looked at me as being a fragile employee or someone who, you know, really needs like a whole lot of extra special circumstances. They've always just asked me how I'm doing and made sure that I had that support because they know that they've essentially become my family. Yeah, I like that you that you talk about them like family because that's what the type of community that we want to build and we want to see within individual units and departments and that sort of thing and the support that you received from that too. So there's an emphasis there on you being a person. You have responsibilities and things that are going on outside of work um, and we like to hear when supervisors and management teams remember that, that we, we are more than just who we are when we show up to work. And there are so many other factors that are coming into that. So that is the type of support and type of 
community that we want to build. Um, and I think that flexibility is what it sounds like that you were given is really important and something that I know is promoted through work life, specifically for those who are taking care of others, whether that be children or elder loved ones or what have you. So what were some of the programs or services offered by HR that you took advantage of? So HR had a, a it was set up so that if you were receiving um, any sort of, I guess, Medicaid or any sort of assistance at all, since when I suddenly separated, I wasn't receiving any sort of child support or anything like that. I happened to qualify for some um, some assistance. And due to that, my management team put me in contact with the lady who was over all of the, like the child care during the pandemic. And she was able to give me a code so that it wouldn't be as big of a financial burden. Because another thing too is with the pandemic and school not being in session, usually parents prepare for a three month long summer vacation where you're going to have to pay a substantially larger amount in childcare fees than what you would if your children were in school. So for me, that hasn't just been three months, it's been quite longer. And so financially, it's been a bit draining. So it was nice to be able to have that support where not only did UK secure a childcare facility for us, but they also backed us up and said, look, we know that financially a lot of Americans are having a hard time. So we're also going to give you this discount code to offset some of that burden. So taking in your entire lived experience through all this, then what have you learned that you could share with others, particularly any advice or tips that you have for those working parents or those who are working with working parents? I would say that UK is a very large, large employer, but they still see people individually. They don't look at you as a robot that's come here to work for them. They look at you as an entire person. They look at how things are outside of work and your performance, of course, on the job as well. But they take into account human side of people. And a lot of employers have kind of lost touch with that. And I would say to other parents that if you're looking for that support and you're kind of worried about how is UK going to think of me, you know, they're going to think possibly that I'm not as strong of an employee as say someone who doesn't have children or has like an extra helping set of hands at home, like a a father or even mother. There's plenty of single fathers out there as well. I would just say, don't be scared to come to your management team and let them know what's going on because UK doesn't look at people as being weak because of their circumstances. Yeah, I think that's a great point. That's something that Azetta and I talked about in a previous episode on this podcast as well, um, and how some of the the things that parent, working parents or those taking care of elder loved ones have to deal with, those can actually become strengths in some way in the workplace as well. Things like time management and those types of things are something that we talked about. So is there anything that you found particularly useful for you outside of kind of the resources from HR or that support that you've gotten from your coworkers? I know that there is like a parent network of UK parents and and I like that too because you can get feedback from other people in this large corporation and 
kind of see how things are going for them. You know, sometimes they are going through a different thing than you are and they might know of other resources. So I guess maybe being a part of the parent network that's here at UK has helped me out some as well. But I mean, aside from that, it's mostly mostly my management team that's really been pretty much my backbone to the yeah. parents love. I'm yeah. so fortunate to have them. Yeah, having a having a support system like that is is really beneficial. We so something we talked about in the previous episode as well was the importance of self care. Is there anything that you found particularly helpful regarding self care um, that's helped you get through, especially maybe when the times are especially trying? There is something that UK offers. Um, it's a well being day. I will say that I use those days for my mental well being. Sometimes I do need some time for myself. So I might take the children. Um, Right now they're doing virtual learning at the daycare that they're at. So they might go to their virtual learning at the daycare. And then I will take the day just to mentally like unwind and de-stress and do something that I wanted to do because I don't get to do that very often with three little ones. And and I'm a single parent. I'm a I'm a little outnumbered. So, yeah, that sounds like a perfect use of those well-being days. And I was, I was really excited when we were able to get those put into place to be able to use some of that TDL towards well-being. And was a really a really positive thing that has come about recently. So we definitely encourage people to take advantage of that. I will say that, like a lot of corporations, they don't consider much about like your mental well-being. They know that physically you have to go see a doctor for you know, a broken bone or something like that, that they sometimes aren't really considering mental health as well. And UK has an emphasis on that, which I think is very important. Thanks for sharing that. So for our listeners, if you want to dive a little deeper on child or elder care, uh, be sure to go back and listen to episode three, where I speak with HR work-life manager, Azetta Beatty and elder care specialist, Terry Weber. And we talk about the importance of self-care and when taking care of others. So we talk about a lot of these topics that we've had in this short conversation here um, and go a little more in depth on those. And they talk a little more about the resources that they have available as well. So thanks for sharing your story with us, Sarah. I appreciate you joining me on the podcast. Of course, anytime. My final guest for the episode is Dr. Leanne Walmsley. Glad to have you on the show, Leanne. Thank you. It is a real honor and a real privilege to be invited. So first, let's just tell listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are and what you do. I am a faculty member. I am chair of the Work Life Committee, the Work Life Council and Student Wellness. We have a long history in our college of being concerned about mental health and well-being. And our current dean, Janie Heath, has really put her heart, soul, and college resources behind creating a very caring community. We have a CPR room on our sixth floor. It is cultivating practices of resilience. We have a dedicated space um, where we invite students to come and be quiet, to come and be reflective. We make it very clear to them that this is a quiet space for them to attend to their mental health and well-being needs. I have been passionate about psychological well-being and the need to destigmatize um, mental health issues really since I have been a very young person. 
Ever since I have become a nurse, I've been very aware of the need to practice mindfulness and to attend to being resilient because as a healthcare worker and a practicing nurse, I can't take care of other people if I don't take care of myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know you're uh, you're a huge advocate for well-being and resilience across the university and especially within your department. So I'm curious just to hear a little more about kind of how you how you got into that and then how um, it really started tying into some of the resources that are available on campus. I noticed early on that if I took the time to connect with my students, that at some point in every semester, every student had what I called a little bump in the road. And I think maybe other people would have called it a mental health crisis. Mm-hmm. But I always kind of took the stance that we all have moments where we're a little sad or a little blue. And that sometimes just being um, empathetic and compassionate and giving that person a little bit of space to breathe. And then also acknowledging that, that we have deep resources with Counseling Center at the University of Kentucky, where when we need to refer a student, we need to do that. But we also need to normalize it and mm-hmm. not, not indicate or communicate that, you know, that is a thing that is abnormal or a thing to be ashamed of. I've I've tried for my professional life to teach others and to advocate for just simply being compassionate, giving students a little bit of space to bounce back from those bumps in the road they have. And they have them for many different reasons. We have a very competitive admission process at our college. And so you're pretty sure that every single student has the ability to be highly successful. And yet you'll notice that there are students who, who do not meet those markers of success. And I noticed that if you really pay attention, it's not because they can't achieve their academic goals. It's because something happens that is just a normal life transition and that they just need some support and help. And if you give them that support and help, then they can often go on either in the moment to resolve it or they can take what I call a timeout. And you teach a patient or a student that taking a time out for mental health is perfectly okay and that they need to take, go home, take care of business and then come back. Yeah, I think that that's really important to think about because you mentioned sort of the bumps in the road and the highly achieving students. And you know that they, they have the ability to be successful. And when they come in and they, they may not be hitting those markers, it's not because they can't do it. And previously, I think that conversation would have been along the lines of, oh, they can't hack it. They can't cut it They're Maybe they're weak. They, they, this is, this is not the right fit for them. When in reality, there are a lot of other things that are playing into what can be causing that um, and why they aren't hitting the markers that they need to be hitting. So it's really good to see that and hear that conversation shift and that, how are we going to look at this and frame this a little bit differently? And I think that's important on the employee side too. Just knowing that we, when we show up to work, we're not just showing up in that eight hour moment. We are much more than that. Um, and it, obviously you, you mentioned work and life, that work-life management, that for us to, to show up and, and be our best at work, we have to take into account all of those other things that are happening outside of work too. And so the more that we recognize, the more that we put language on that um, and emphasize those things that happen to us, not only at work, but out of work, 
I think it, it helps us better show up at work. It helps us better show up at home than whatever other places that we're showing up. You could not have said that better. We developed an algorithm at our college. Uh, um, we have a mental health committee. We actually have, it's called BARN, Bring Awareness Right Now. And we developed just a basic algorithm for faculty and staff so that if you have somebody show up in your office and they are having what we would call a bump in the road, the algorithm um, encourages you or invites you to spend about five minutes with that person and problem solve what you can. And then the algorithm has campus resources and telephone numbers to call. And then we direct students to either go to the counseling center or behavioral health and also contact the community of concern. And we have normalized that. That is no longer an abnormal occurrence in our college. And we, we're very transparent with students. We have a mental health resource tab on all Canvas course shelves. So we go into classes and we inform them that we have a mental resource health tab. We talk to them about the counseling center. In our pre-nursing classes, one of our assignments is for all of our students to go visit the counseling center. And right now with social distancing, they visit the website. And it, it's so encouraging to, to read the student essays. There are two-page essays on what their reflection was about exploring that resource. And without exception, the students are surprised and delighted at the amount of resources that our university has in place for our students for their mental health and well-being. We, we kind of talked about that in our pre-conversation, too, about how we've seen this shift on campus on the student and the employee side on a really big focus on well-being and really promoting a lot of the things that are available to our employees and our students to help with things like mental well-being, emotional well-being, nutrition, physical activity, all of those things. And so for me personally, this is something that drew me to really wanting to work here, too, was to see that because I came in on like sort of the tail end of that push rather than being there and kind of seeing the previous. So it's been really interesting in it, and I'm really feel fortunate to be doing what I do as well. And I also think it's really important how you're talking about destigmatizing a lot of these things too, to not be afraid to ask for help. And that these things are, we have this kind of common humanity that a lot of us are going through very similar things. Um, our individual stories are different, but we go through a lot of the same feelings. We all get those feelings of anxiety every once in a while, or we may be a little stressed. And those are common. Those are universal traits to human beings. So instead of throwing those under the rug and going about our day, we can kind of now bring that out into the open and we can have honest discussions with each other and, and listen to each other. And like you said, that empathy and that compassion are able to be expressed um, and felt as well. So Kind of interested then in sort of your story then. So you kind of mentioned the bumps in the roads and that's how you kind of got to where you are. What sort of like bumps in the roads or challenges if you had that kind of drove you towards resources that are available to you as an employee? I can remember when I very first started practicing bedside nursing. Within days, I realized how overwhelming it is to take care of people and to have such a heavy burden of organizing your care and keeping a balance just in a just in the shift that you're working. And so way before anybody called it mindfulness, 
I would step away every hour on the hour and I would watch my second hand sweep for 60 seconds and I would just take a minute out. And so I have practiced some sort of intentional mindfulness with, without it being labeled mindfulness because when you are taking care of other people, there are so many things that are happening on the physical side, the spiritual side, the mental side. You are dealing with doctors, you are dealing with nurses, you are dealing with families, you are dealing with the patient. So all of the bumps in the road that happen in a healthcare environment are what leads to burnout. And we know from vast experience that burnout is very present. And and I think we use that term now across all areas Mm -hmm. of professional work. Non-professional work. I think every single person experiences burnout when they are applying themselves to take care of whatever business they're taking care of. And I think it all goes back to very basic, very, very basic, fundamental, foundational, important strategies, which are taking care of your sleep, taking care of your activity hydrating yourself, eating nutritional food, and staying socially connected. So I learned from a very early on with my experience as a nurse that those people who recovered from their surgeries or illnesses fundamentally were taking care of those four aspects of their life. And so throughout my entire personal and professional life, I have watched the health and well-being of myself and those around me and have realized that taking care of those four things enables me to be healthy, enables me to be resilient, enables me. When I make a mistake, I look at it as I made a mistake. If I had this to do over again, I would do it differently. But I don't beat myself up and stay down in some kind of a really dark, deep place where it becomes a mental health issue. You learn that you end your day reflecting on what went well, what you would do differently, and you take those things and you realize that you did the best you could at the time with the information you have. Hindsight, of course, is 100%. And so... Many, many, many times, of course, in my life, I've made decisions that in retrospect, I do it, I would do it differently. But I work very hard when I have those bumps to be self-reflectful, to be grateful for my health, grateful for my family, grateful for my friends, grateful for my faith, grateful for my students, grateful for my faculty and my colleagues, the staff that I work with. I take it one step further and say, why? You know, why am I grateful for those things? Well, I'm grateful for those things because it makes us who we are. It makes the world who we all are together. And Mm -hmm. we are all in this together. All of us experience the same commonalities, the same common things. It just takes a really humble, strong sense of resilience to go ahead with other people and admit it and say, yeah, I didn't do that great. I'm sorry. I screwed up. Will you forgive me? And I think if we would all be a little more honest with our own failings and a little more honest with how we struggle 
from day to day in all aspects of our life. And like, just realize that everybody's doing the best they can. We're mm-hmm. all giving it our best at any yeah. one time. Especially and right now. It may now. not look that way to other people, but yes, especially right now in these uncertain times, I think we're all struggling. We're all challenged. We're all confused. But I think we all need to look at each other and, and have faith that we're all doing the best we can and give each other some love and compassion and unconditional regard for each other. Absolutely. Resilience is not a, a single-sum game for you. It's for all of us, too. There, we can be resilient as a university community as well. Um, and so if we can, we can take care of each other, we're stronger that way and we will last longer um, and we'll all be a little happier and more productive and enjoy showing up to work and all of those types of things. So we, we, can't, we can't let something like a, the COVID-19 pandemic kind of drive us apart um, or anything that's happening in the national landscape, drive us apart and remember that we have the shared humanity, that we have these, these things that are common to all of us. We need to remember to take care of each other, not just ourselves. And to be able to take care of others, we have to take care of ourselves. So they, they feed off of each other. So they're, they're both important. Um, and we need to remember to address both of those as well. So what, as far as resources on campus, particularly within health and wellness, what programs have you participated in the past and what from those has really stuck with you? Um, I have availed myself of so many resources. I think the, the coaching, um, I have availed myself of the personal coaching and have just been so helped by it. I have been able to talk through some of the challenges and struggles that this new social distancing has presented for my teaching, has presented for my family. And just having somebody who will walk through that with me and and very compassionately and intentionally talk to me about, so what on this moment are you struggling with? And then I can share that. And then we come up with an activity or a strategy that we're going to work on in the time between the the two calls. And I have just found that tremendously encouraging and tremendously supportive. And I I would hope and wish that more faculty and staff would realize what campus-wide resources we have with counseling. They offer private counseling. There's a number of sessions that that are included in your benefits. Uh, UK Work Life sends out monthly flyers and monthly schedules. They just, they have something going on continually and all of their programs have been extremely well conducted and are very beneficial for anybody who wants to attend them. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of taking in your entire experience then and and the work that you do, what kind of one or two maybe like nuggets of wisdom do you want to leave for the listeners, particularly the ones that are working here at UK? The last few um, ideas that you put across about us all being in this together actually brought tears to my eyes. Um, We are all in this together. And it's a, it's a community. It's, it's a, it's humanity that we are all in it together. And that means everybody. That means that all of us locally and in our community, uh, the local government, 
our state, our country. Um, we are all in this together. And it, it's, it's a time where we need to intentionally and compassionately take time out and, and connect with each other. And there's never been a time where that's more difficult because being in behind plexiglass or being behind a face shield or being behind a mask, um, we, we miss so many social cues, but we are all still there. And so I would just invite everyone to remember that we are individuals, but we all are collective in this and that we need to love each other and care for each other and make the effort to connect with each other. Absolutely. I think that's a perfect stopping point for this conversation. Um, I don't think we could, we could give anybody any better wisdom right now than what you just said. So I really appreciate you stopping on the show and giving your story and giving some of your wisdom as well and some of the work that you do on campus. So uh, maybe we'll have you back on for a more full conversation as well. I know we had probably a 20 or 30 minute conversation prior to starting this actual episode. So hopefully I can use some of that audio, um, whether it be on this episode or maybe a release kind of a bonus episode or just have you back and have that honest discussion again like we had prior to starting this recording. So and like I said, I really appreciate you stopping by. Thank you. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed it. That'll do it for this episode of Becoming Wildly Resilient. I want to thank all my guests again for joining me and for sharing their inspiring stories with us. I think they had a lot of great advice and wisdom to share. And from these stories, one thing is clear. We are surrounded by many people who are willing to provide support whenever we need it. We truly are stronger together. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed getting to meet and interview all of them. If you did, let us know by leaving a rating or review and by subscribing to the podcast so that you don't miss future episodes. Listen through the outro to hear how you can connect with us and let us know if you'd like to hear more of these stories in the future. Finally, be sure to check out the Community Quick Starts page linked in the show notes. There you'll find tools for showing appreciation and building community along with all the great opportunities for you to recognize and recharge October 5th through the 9th. Thank you for everything that you contribute to the university and for making it a great college to work for. Take care of yourself and others and live well. Thanks for listening to Becoming Wildly Resilient, a podcast series from University of Kentucky Human Resources, Health and Wellness. The UK HR Health and Wellness team, consisting of certified health coaches, fitness experts, registered dietitians, and wellness specialists offer a wide range of online and in-person programming to University of Kentucky employees, retirees, and their spouses. If you enjoyed this episode, you can listen and subscribe to future episodes wherever you find your podcasts. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at UKY Wellness. There, you'll find links to episode show notes and more. You can also email healthandwellness at uky.edu with any questions or suggestions for future episode topics. To learn more about well-being benefits offered by University of Kentucky Human Resources, visit www.uky.edu slash hr slash well-being. Live well.